Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week is part two of my chat with Goff of Beer Nuts Productions. Now for anyone who missed last week's episode, Goff not only starred in, directed, produced, wrote and edited many of the releases on Beer Nuts Productions, including a feature-length film, but he is also legally blind. In last week's episode, we not only spoke about how Goff lost his eyesight, as well as some of the issues that arise from being an indie director, as well as being one who is legally blind, but we also spoke about some of the various releases of Beernarts, who Goff has met along the way, his stand-up career, um, his comedy influences, and many other things, so be sure to check that out before listening to this episode. Now this week, me and Goff continue the chat regarding the journey he's gone through and some of the challenges he's made, but we also discuss the importance it is to use a team and a crew who kind of understand the director's vision, filmmaking timescales, some of Goff's experiences with actors as well as some of the people he's employed, and we talk about Takar Watiti quite a lot, the gentleman who directed What We Do in the Shadows, um, Hunt for the World of People and Boy, as well as Thor Ragnarok, because we're both big fans of his. We also speak about the importance of exercise, why comedy is Goff's favourite genre, and loads of other things so this is once again a great chat especially if you enjoyed last week's one now before we get started there'll be a quick promo by the out of the cave podcast so i highly recommend you guys go check out that um and also as the usual things i say follow us on the usual social media things you know twitter instagram and facebook leave reviews for us on itunes if you feel like it deserves it and share the show you know as i say not every show is going to appeal to everyone but the catalog that i've started to kind of accumulate with all the different guests i'm sure if you look through it there'll be something that interests you as well as other people that you know so you know be sure to check that out share it with people and you know let me know some of the feedback i'm always happy to hear criticisms or things you like about the show anyway that's enough from me guys um so we'll get on to the show just after the intro and the promo um and i'll be back at the end just to talk about future releases and just other sort of nitty-gritty bits so if you're a big fan of the show be sure to stick out to the end if you're new obviously you can tune into the end if you like but no pressure whatsoever anyway guys i'll talk to you all at the end Imagine a society where community is at the heart, where people are taught to communicate openly and effectively. Educated on critical thinking, poverty doesn't exist, people can have sex without fear of ridicule, and all cars drive themselves. A society where scientific discovery is the pinnacle driver, as well as human well-being in accordance with nature. Join me, J.P. Taxman, as I explore these ideas and more on my podcast, Out of the Cave. I talk with experts in their fields about reimagining what society can be if given a fresh start. This podcast is probably for you if you enjoy difficult, complex intellectual discussions, concepts like Burning Man, care about the environment, and maybe don't affiliate with Democrats or Republicans. Let me help you step out of the cave and see the light. You can find me on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and other podcasting sites. Just search Out of the Cave. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at Step Out of the Cave. You can also find me on Patreon at patreon.com backslash out of the cave. Hope to see you there. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. With your production team and things, do you have, uh, I, I know you mentioned, I think it was Simon, uh, one of the people who works with you, do you have like a sort of production team that you use or is there, do you interchange them? Uh, I wonder what that's about. 
Uh, no, I, I try and keep the same people. It took me a while to find, obviously, because I need... So, with probably the... Uh, it was the second film I did. I had a cameraman, and he decided that he was just going to film what he wanted to film, uh, which isn't acceptable at all. So I had to sack him. But I didn't know that until we got into the editing booth, and by then it was too late because I can't afford to refilm stuff. So it's really important that I have people around me who understand, obviously I can't see very well. Uh, so I'm going to explain to them, you know, what I want them to do. And then I need to be able to trust that they're going to be able to do the job that I want them to do. So I, I do always try cause, and I'm also a firm believer. If, if you find somebody good at their job, you gotta, you gotta stick with them. I mean, it's silly to hire someone who's fantastic. And then the next project, hire somebody else. Not, you know, that's just silly. So if I find someone who's fantastic, then I stick with them. So I've got a basic team around me now who uh, who I trust and who do an amazing job for me. And, yeah, Simon is uh, the right-hand man. He's sort of uh, in charge of uh, most of the production kind of stuff and sort of acts as my eyesight. So he'll tell me things like the facial expressions of the actors and all that sort of stuff. And I, I sort of tell him how I want things framed and all that, and he makes sure that that happens how it needs to happen and all that kind of stuff. So he's fantastic. And then, yeah, the, the rest of the production team now I've worked with for quite a while and, and they're all fantastic and do a really, really wonderful job for me. Yeah, and um, a lot of, especially my favourite directors, often have that. You know, you get a lot of the sort of, some of the best directors uh, in the world, they have not only the production team and the same sort of people they have around them to create the movies, but they also choose a lot of actors as well that are the same ones. Like, uh, well, for an example, yeah, the, go ahead. The Coen brothers spring to mind. I mean, the Coen brothers have the same crew pretty much all the time. And I mean, if you watch a Coen brothers film, they have a lot of the same actors, like you say. So, that, that would be one. That, and the Farrelly brothers are probably another one that also use a lot of the same people. So, yeah. And, I mean, I, I just think it's smart. I mean, if you find people who are good at their job, why would you replace them? Mm, exactly it's, it's a really good mindset to have and also when you've got that um when you've got your own style especially when it's something like a comedy where you know you've got you can have action films in a hundred different ways and you know as long as cool stuff's happening it's well shot and that's basically all you really need to a degree that's the main stuff is cool stuff happens but when you have like either films that i call them more like people movies where there's not necessarily like wes anderson is a, a director that comes to mind where there's not loads of stuff necessarily happening it's all in the subtle little details of it you need the team that kind of understand that and where you're doing um sort of a lot of the things you've done recently especially are more comedically based you've got your own style of comedy and you need people who can help interpret what you're wanting to do and help translate from the script to the recording process to the screen and obviously you have your hand in all the sort of steps along the way but you need people who can understand you so there's less slip-ups of just a uh, miscommunication happening so that's a really good thing to have 100%. You're absolutely 100% correct. So, yeah, I, I probably couldn't explain it any better myself. So I, I guess a good example with, with me would be the makeup department. So Natalie, who does the makeup, she is brilliant. So we'll sit down. Uh, she's obviously read the script. So I'll say to her, you know, uh, obviously I don't know a lot about makeup because I'm a dude. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, so I say to her, you know, I, well, again, we'll take the prostitution one. So with the three girls that work in the brothel, I said, I want them to be more of your high-end prostitutes. But the girl 
who's in the other scene needs to be more of a streetwalker kind of a prostitute, a more rougher sort of a look. And she absolutely, so that, that was pretty much her brief, and she absolutely crushed it. I mean, Sabrina that's in the office scene looks like, you know, a real trampy kind of hooker, and the other three are more of your classy kind of whores. So, I mean, uh, I, I don't have to sit uh, over her shot. Like, she knows my sort of terminology and how I work now, so I just have to give her a basic brief, and I know I can trust her, so she just goes ahead and does what she needs to do. So we sort of have, like you said, uh, you know, they understand me and how I word things and, and, and how I like things, and so I don't have to explain things to the nth degree anymore because they already sort of know. And, I mean, when they read my scripts, my scripts are quite detailed, so they kind of get a reasonable idea anyway through my scripts. So, yeah, it, it makes life, uh, yeah, what, what you say is 100% correct. Yeah, and obviously there's a lot less time having to sort of waste translating as well. It's just that sort of thing. If you know the less time you have to spend explaining things to people, the more time when you've got like a budget and you think, okay, I want to get this out of this time. I want to make sure this is right and this is right. If you just spend an extra five percent of your time explaining things to people, that's quite a substantial amount of time. When not only that you're on a budget, but also you're on a time scale. And I wanted to ask with your films, do you have like a? Um, we've obviously we're now at the start of 2019, so I assume you've got a few projects that are lined up over the coming uh, months and years and things what do you have like a a set time of you like oh i want one film out to come each year or is it sort of as and when they come to you what's the sort of uh time scaling sort of like well in regards to that it's more as soon as i can make a film i will so it's as soon as i've got the money to make a movie i'll make a movie uh so it's as quickly as i can uh i, I often say to simon if i had the coin we'd be churning these out like butter. It'd be one every two weeks kind of thing, you know? So that's kind of the goal. But uh, so it's when I have the coin to make them, that's when they get made. Uh, But in regards to the actual, how long they actually take, again, that's a little bit different to a normal film as well. So pre-production's a lot longer uh, because uh, obviously I, I cast it and then I have to, I always like to give the actors a lot of time to learn their lines. So like a good six to eight weeks. And Mm -hmm. so while they're doing that, I'm doing all the other pre-production stuff, like any locations or costumes or makeup or props or artwork or anything else that's needed or or special equipment or anything like that that's required. I've got that time frame to organize that. And then obviously rehearsals with the actors are really, really important because we don't have a lot of money, so we don't have a lot of time to film. And then we film, edit, and release gets done within a week. So it's oh, like wow. bang, 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 done. So because, again, we don't have a lot of coin, we can't muck about. So uh, the pre-production is really, really long, and then film, edit, up on the website within a week. So, yeah. Wow, that is uh, that is very intense. And um, it's worth just mentioning as well, what's funny is um, – south park which is you know one of my favorite uh, shows there is they do everything within a week like when they have their they have a schedule um like a, a 10 week period i think they normally go on like a little writer's retreat uh, for a little while uh, before that but once it actually gets down to it they once they release an episode i think it comes out on like a wednesday on comedy central they're back in work on the thursday them and all their animators team and all the sort of uh, the script writers and everything and they literally work straight for six days and then they release it and send it to comedy central normally like the day before it comes out and some Sometimes with those sorts of when in your own mind, you've got those sort of, okay, I want to get this done as soon as, but equally you've got that 
creative drive and you've kind of like, all right, I'm going to put this in place. I'm going to put that in place. I'm going to put that in place. You know what you're doing. You know where you're going. It can be, it can help focus yourself a lot more, especially if you want to use. So when you release a film, obviously you want to, it to be good enough so that it gets enough, uh, uh, sort of attention and then it can enough people uh, contribute money towards it. And then it helps fund the next thing. And that kind of drive for it all must be really, uh, motivating for yourself. Well, well, yeah, absolutely. So that's why I can't fuck about because mm. I, I need it up on the website as quickly as possible so people can download it so I can make the next film. So it's in my best interest to get it up there as quickly as humanly possible. Uh, but also, obviously, I don't want to uh, – that's why I take so long with the pre-production is because it needs to be right, so it needs to be done correctly, but it also can't be done – in a you know in a slow lazy kind of manner so you know everything needs to be done correctly but quickly and so that's why we do it i do it like i do i do a nice big long pre-production and then yeah like i say we film edit and release is all done within the week and i didn't know that about south park but it makes perfect sense to me that that's why they would do it that way i just i just think that's a more practical better way to go about it i think that's smart on their part i i uh, i'm surprised that more places more more production teams don't do things like that because it just seems to make more more sense to me that there's a a well-known australian filmmaker who i was chatting to one day and he said to me it was when i was first starting out and i wanted to i was i was chatting to him about uh, maybe going into some kind of co-production agreement and uh, and he said oh yeah, but the thing is, he said, it takes a year to make a film. And I thought to myself, well, how slow are you people? What are you <laughs> doing all day? How, what, what's taking you a year? You've written the script, you, you, you cast it, you get everything ready to go, you film it, you release it. What's taking you a year? Like, what's wrong with you, man? You know, <laughs> so I, I, I've never gotten over that. I, I still, to this day, I mean, that was years and years and years ago we had that conversation. I've never gotten over that. It takes me, it takes us a year to make it. I'm like, are you for real? But it's just a, yeah. Yeah, well, it's like with, um, I know that there's a lot of indie films, um, especially ones that are made in England, um, that get quite a lot of uh, press and a lot of attention. A lot of the time they like, you know, the film, when they say, oh, we're going to release this film, it's normally out like much closer than a, a year they normally say like filming only takes a, a few weeks for a lot of these films and it is but when you get sort of when you go up in the ranks of the bigger and uh, more budget and all the sort of other things it a lot of the time it does seem to add a lot of uh, complications to it like one of uh one of my favorite directors uh, of action movies and things is quentin tarantino he oh, takes I ages I, I love him his dialogue is some of the best dialogue oh. of any films pulp fiction especially oh, 100 percent. i couldn't agree more he one of the best scriptwriters that that there is. It's just yeah, I love his dialogue. Like you say, I can't. Yeah, his dialogue is next level. But yes, sorry, I interrupted. No, that's yes. fine. I, I, that's fine. It's a conversation. And uh, with uh, with Tarantino and things like that, he he announces a film and then it takes him so long to release them because I know that he's uh, he's very particular about a lot of things, but he's also got a lot of budget. He's got a lot of movies, a lot of actors and things like that. But when you go back to like his earlier films, like Reservoir Dogs, I'm certain that the the time that took was a lot shorter. I mean, granted, almost all of Reservoir Dogs is filmed in one place, which probably did help, but it does seem like, you know, the more budget you get, the more things, it kind of adds to it and complicates matters. And certain directors may uh, lose sight of that. I know there's quite a few directors who are, 
who've been doing basically the same since their first film came out. They're like, look, this is the method it works. We don't need to add all these sort of layers of complication for complication's sake. We want to kind of get down to it and keep it this sort of the way we do it. So I imagine if uh, Beer Nuts says, fingers crossed over the next few years, you get more and more attention and more and more people uh, get into your productions, you get more money, but you'd still have that same way of doing things. There'll be a few things you'd probably be able to make uh, a bit quicker, a bit easier, maybe be a bit more adventurous in certain aspects if you had more uh, financial backing. But the same sort of method of, you know, the way you do pre-production, the way you do this, the team you use, it would all be kept the same. And therefore more, if you've got more money in that way, you'd have more money to spend on more exciting things rather than just kind of conflating unnecessary costs. Well, absolutely. I mean, a good example, see where I live in Australia on the Gold Coast is where uh, they film all like uh, Thor and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and Aquaman was filmed here. And mm-hmm. so we've got the big uh, studio, Movie World's just uh, Warner Brothers Studios just down the road from where I live. And I mean, I think part, well, Aquaman took like nine months to film. I mean, that to me is just a complete waste of money. I mean, you could just imagine the amount of footage that's on the cutting room floor. I mean, they would have done like, 10 seconds of actual film would have been shot per day. You know what I mean? Like they would have mm. done so many angles that just got never used. But and what's the point? You're wasting time. You're wasting money. There's no point. Plus, I'm also a firm believer. When I do a film, I only make the actors show up when I actually need them. So it actually drives – it's the one thing my makeup artist, Natalie, doesn't like is I always tell the actors – so, for example, let's say – we're, we're, well, we'll take the prostitution one because it's a good because it's the latest one. So, uh, we've got a scene there with Kale as the husband is in an extra scene than the wife. So I said to Rebecca, who's the wife, well, there's no need. You can arrive half an hour later than Kale because while we're filming Kale's scene, Natalie can do your makeup. And Natalie's like, oh, maybe you should get her to arrive the same time just in case and all this sort of stuff. I said, why? You want her to arrive as late as possible so that her brain is as fresh as possible so she gives the best performance. Why have her sitting around getting bored, getting stale? I mean, it's not. It's in my best interest to keep her fresh, to keep her alert so she gives the best performance. So if that means she gets to spend an extra half an hour at home having to lie down or whatever, then great, go for it. You know what I mean? So mm. I, I just... I, I just don't see the the need in wasting people's time. And also when we edit, I mean, why would I film a bunch of scenes that I know I'm not going to use? It's just, it's, it's a waste of, of money. It's a waste of time. So I, I don't, uh, you're quite right. Even if, if, even if I had a million dollars tomorrow, I would still be making the films exactly the same way. I'd just be able to punch them out a lot more quicker. And uh, you're right. I'd probably be able to, throw an extra couple of stunts or whatever in and a few little bits and pieces, but it, it absolutely would not change the way I make my projects, not one little bit, because as you rightly say, I found a method that actually works for me and that I think is a successful way to make a, an entertaining film. And uh, so why it would be foolish to change it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And um, I want to ask with your sort of other, with the future of Beer Nuts and what you're sort of uh, thinking of going from here, um, do you have uh, many scripts and many ideas uh, written down at the moment? And um, if so, obviously you don't have to spoil any of the things you're going to come out, but I wondered if there is anything you can uh, talk about that you've kind of just got in the ether, just vague subjects and things that you kind of want to venture into. Yeah, absolutely. So 
uh, at the moment we're all about marketing the prostitution film, mm-hmm. and then as soon as uh, as soon as that's finished, uh, we'll hopefully we'll be able to get straight into the next project. So I've got another film script written, uh, so uh, hopefully I can get into that one. It's another comedy one. It's another sort of mockumentary, comedy mockumentary. So, because uh, I've got a bit of a thing for mockumentaries at the moment, I go, I go through sort of uh, stages where I, I, I like a particular style. And at the moment, I'm in a mockumentary kind of a frame of mind. You mentioned a few of them with the pornography one and the the drugs one and all that sort of stuff. So this is a uh, another mockumentary will be coming out uh, hopefully within the next couple of months with a bit of luck. So. Uh, yeah, so it just obviously depends on everybody going to beernutsproductions.com and supporting what I do so I can uh, so I can get busy making another film to entertain everybody. So yeah, so so uh, there is uh, there is more scripts and more projects on the horizon 100%. Mm, and that's a good reason for people to follow you on all the social media platforms and things. And um what I was going to say is um I believe he's a New Zealand director, um, but um, have you seen the film What We Do in the Shadows? It's made by, I think it's Takai Watiti. Do you know what I'm well, speaking I, of? I, I know the director 100%. I've not seen that particular film, but I've seen pretty much all the others that mm. he's made. He did one last year called Hunt for the Wilderness, Love it. which was ab- absolutely fantastic. And uh, yeah, he did Boy, which was a little known New Zealand film as well, which was very popular. I didn't like that one so much. I, had, I haven't seen uh, Boy. Yeah. Uh, I had a bit of an issue with that because I've got a good friend of mine who's a Kiwi and we were having a chat about it. And my issue with it was that your hero uh, in in any kind of a film, your hero needs to have faults because that's what makes him a hero is that he overcomes whatever faults he's got and he becomes a hero. That's, that's the nature of being a hero. And so the hero in the film boy to me and doesn't have any redeeming qualities he's not he's not likable in any there's no likable qualities in him he's all he's not bad but there's no there's there's nothing i think the best way to put it is like i say there's no redeemable qualities about this particular character in my opinion and i was having a chat to kylie who's a kiwi and she says but it's so real like that's why it was so popular in new zealand was because it was almost like watching a documentary because this is how it's like in in the native sort of communities this is what life is like so that's why it was so popular because it was so real so it was more of a cultural thing is probably more the reason why i didn't like it so much more than anything else like there are some very funny scenes in there and i really like him as a director i think he's a wonderful wonderful director and a very funny man if you see him interviewed i think he was on graham norton not so long ago and he was really really funny he's He's a really funny dude. So he directed Thor as well. Uh, yeah, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, and that is, in my opinion, I'd say apart from the, the newest Avengers movie, um, Infinity War, I'd say that is the best Marvel film. It's so funny. And he plays a character in it. Uh, I think it's called Korg or something. It's like this big rock dude. And he's just got that. Not only has he obviously directed the film and um, with all that in itself, but him acting, he does act in, I think, each of his films, that small parts. He's yes, just got that yes, real brilliant comedic sort of knack to it and he's got the brilliant timing and it's good to see when there's a director who's funny not only being in the film so he kind of knows how to act as well as directing uh, which is obviously part of what you do as well because you act in a, a lot of your films as well well that's it i come cheap that's why uh, <laughs> that's why i that's why i end up being in them but uh in hunt for the wilder people he played the uh the the funeral director which was mm. a really really funny little role as well so 
you're quite correct. He does little roles in the film and he's always very funny. And like I said, I've seen him interviewed and he's got a great sense of humour. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he comes up with next because I think he's a really, really solid writer-director. So I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what, what he ends up. He's got another New Zealand film coming out pretty soon, I think. So, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. But I've never seen uh, the Shadows film that you mentioned. It's probably the only one of his I haven't seen, to be honest. Yeah, well, I'd, um, I'd really recommend that because it's um, it's it's a mockumentary about vampires, um, and he's one of the main actors in it as well. And it's uh, got Jermaine Clement, uh, which is one half of Flight of the Concords as well. Oh, um, yes. And um, I love Flight of the Concords. And the, what we do in the shadows, the, the mockumentary style, um, I think you especially uh, seeing the sort of uh, directorial style you've done with some of your recent films, I think you'd really enjoy that. And I, I haven't seen Boy, and I know it didn't have such international success, but I know that what we do in the shadows, especially in Britain, was very popular. Um, and then Hunt for the Wilder People, I think it was pretty well received everywhere as well. And I think um, Hunt for the Wilder People is probably one of my favourite films. I absolutely adore that film. And then Thor is, in my opinion, one of the best Marvel films. And I like that where he's got that sort of exposure, he can make more films like that. And I'm hoping that where Marvel kind of almost took the risk with having him director Thor Ragnarok, him being this sort of fairly unknown director that's a comedy director as well in, in a lot of ways, he he's now got that exposure where hopefully more big film studios would take more risks with doing not just having, oh, we've got all these directors, we know exactly what they're doing, they're the safe bet, they're being a bit more, okay, we can take a risk, we can do these things, and that's what people need to do. And I think that's what you're doing with uh, with Beer Nuts in a sense is, you're obviously you're not like Marvel, this gigantic uh, film com- production company, but you're like, I've got what I want to do. I'm just going to do what I do because I know that it's you know, good in my own right and I'm going to release it. And I think that's what you're doing. And you've got that sort of uh, your own flavor to it. And I think that's one of the things that hopefully if you keep on going, more and more people are going to get to you and you're going to get more exposure and more people are going to see the comedy side, you know, the, the funny parts of what you can do without just knowing the documentary you did. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that, and you're absolutely. I agree with you uh, with a lot of the things. Well, with all the things you just said, uh, I think it, I. I would hope. I, I don't know that it would happen because people don't have the balls to go through with it. But I would hope that uh, people would take. I mean, the studios would take more of a, a risk, even though it's not a risk. You and I would say it's not a risk at all. Mm. You get uh, the right person for the right job, and if that means it's a little independent director who's done three or four really hilarious little independent films, why not give him the money to make something fantastic? Give him the opportunity to direct something instead of going with the same people making the same crap over and over again. And and in regards to Beer Nuts Productions, I mean, I've got, uh, you know, I've got scripts that I want to make and, and I'm not going to stop anytime soon. I, I often think of it, uh, I was having a chat to one of my actors one day and I said to him, the best way to put it is that I, I'm I'm going to play football, right? And mm. I'm going to play football in the park over here. Now, if you want to come and play football with me, I'd love you to come and play football with me. Come along. We'll all have a great game and a great time, and it's all going to be great. But I'm not going to go over to that park and play football. I'm going to play football in my park over here. So why don't you all come to my park and play football, and we'll all have some fun and a good time. And I think that's you know, the sort of the best way to describe what I do, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm not uh, in, in the big time studios and all that sort of stuff. I'm a little independent production company that releases their films through the, the website and all that sort of stuff. And so, like I say, I play football in my park over here. 
So hopefully everybody comes over and enjoys my game of football. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. Yeah, that's a that's a very good way of describing it. You know, you're not trying to force your will. You're not trying to like go over to someone else and try and change what they're doing. You're like, I'm doing my thing over here. If you guys want to come check it out, then you are more than welcome to. I think what I'm doing over here is great. If you don't, you can stay over there and do what you want. There's there's no pressure, and it's it's good having that sort of mindset of knowing what I believe what I'm doing is you know one of the uh, a great way of doing things but there's no pressure on anyone else you're not trying to you know force anyone else to do that and i wondered if um if you were ever interested because um, one of the things i got especially when i listened to you uh, on one of the other podcasts and things and uh, a couple of the, the interviews and things i've seen with you um and obviously as you're you self-described as a uh, very good on dialogue and things and i would completely agree with you there um have you ever considered going into uh, the realm of podcasting at all um i wonder this because the, the reason i mention it is because not only do you have the facilities on beer nuts that you could uh, uh, potentially you've already got the sort of audio side of it um but you could uh, not saying that you would have to do this obviously i'm just a uh, sort of spitballing you have the facilities already where you could release them very cheaply because of podcasts and you could either do comedy podcasts or you could maybe speak to other directors or other things almost doing what i'm doing with you now i think it'd be quite interesting to see you discuss some of your ideas and other things with other people um, around australia and you could also potentially talk to other people who have either uh, struggled with disabilities as well as people who are content creators and things like that and i just wondered if uh, podcasting or anything in that realm obviously if you've already had a handed radio to a degree I wonder if that's ever come up or that's been a, a thought of yours. Well, that, that's why that was one of the reasons why I've done the audio tracks. So they're kind of like mini podcasts in a way. They're not serious in any way. They're comedy sketches, but they're like 20 minute audio comedy sketches so that, you know, it's uh, it's just something different. Because another thing that, that I also believe in is that it's important when I release something that it's not similar to something I've done previous. I don't want people to go, oh, not that again, I've, but he, I've seen that, you know, he's done that before. I always want to make sure everything I do is slightly different to what I've done previous. So I thought to myself again, I was having a bit of a think, like I did with the Jimmy Green picture book, mm. and I thought, well, what else could I do? So I thought, well, why don't I write some funny audio sketches, you know, a range of different audio sketches, and, and release them as well. So I have done, I suppose they're kind of podcast-ish, I suppose, uh, in a way, they're audio files, so I suppose people listen to them like they listen to a podcast, mm. so uh, so yeah, so I, I kind of have done that, and we've done eight in total, so, and again, they've all, uh, so there's, like, for example, there's Beer Nuts Productions, uh, brand new range of comedy characters, which is a little bit Monty Python-inspired in that, like, you know, I, I took uh, ridiculous ideas, so for example... One of the characters is uh, Boris, the arachnophobic spider, who's <laughs> in constant fear of himself. You know? So, <laughs> so, so it's it's like that kind. Of, there's, uh, but there's 14 characters in total with that one. So you know, so people, so they're all a bunch of little sketches, all sort of tied together. So, uh, yeah, that's why I did those uh, audio audio downloads as well, because it's again, it's something a little bit different. People can download them onto their phone and listen to them while they're you know taking a road trip or whatever they might be doing they can uh, they can listen to the beer nuts productions audio tracks as well mm. yeah so with beer nuts you've kind of uh, you've covered almost every base there and <clears throat> excuse me and obviously i always implore people to go on to, to youtube because you do have quite a lot of uh, content on there especially um, trailers and uh, promos and things like that including the uh, the explosion one that we spoke about earlier as well and um out of interest just um 
excluding beer nuts is what sort of things do you do uh in your free time like are you do you watch a lot of uh movies uh, do you listen to uh, a lot of audiobooks or podcasts or anything like that or is it just essentially beer nuts is 100 percent of your focus well beer nuts is 100 percent of my focus but everybody needs other things to do or they'll go insane so <laughs> yeah uh, my I, I am a comedy nerd and I am a film nerd. So uh, those are probably, and I'm also, I also believe very strongly in exercise. I'm a big advocate for, for training and exercise, even though I've done a mockumentary taking the piss out of personal trainers and the fitness industry. <laughs> uh, well, it was, it was inspired by going to different gyms and the people that attend them pretty much. It was what inspired that particular script. But um, I, I, so Every morning of my life, I'd go down to uh, a local gym and do a training session just because uh, I think it just makes my brain work properly. And then I don't take my phone. It's, it's sort of like my time. So some everybody's got their little thing that they do that's, uh, you know, their time where the world can get fucked for, for an hour because <laughs> this is my time. And so the gym in the morning is that for me. So I get up, get out of bed, hit the gym for an hour, and then my brain can work, and then I'm happy to answer any emails and any phone calls and all that kind of stuff. And then, like I say, if I've got uh, any spare time, it'll be taken up with either something comedy-related or something movie-related because they're my two uh, they're my two things. Yeah, because uh, I'm a nerd for both of those things. I'm a massive movie buff as well. I would love to talk to you about movies in, in a moment a bit more. Um, but one thing I've noticed, because I've spoken to um, – uh, on this uh, podcast, obviously, uh, the tagline is honest conversations with interesting people. And I like to this is really just an excuse for me to be able to just talk to people I find interesting. And then I just kind of put it out there for anyone else to listen to. But this is, you know, for me, I want to have these conversations. And one common uh, thread I found with a lot of uh, individuals uh, who are successful is not only having that drive uh, to, you know, I want to start my own company. I want to do my own production company. I want to do my own thing and I'm going to do it my way and, you know, not to what anyone else thinks. I'm going to do it this way. I've noticed with a lot of uh, common threads with that is uh, having your own regime. And I'm pretty certain that all of them, uh, yourself included, have uh, do exercise in their life. I've spoken to a couple of CEOs of companies and things, a couple of authors and things. And it's that very common thing of, you know, uh, a couple of them do do meditation, some don't, but exercise seems to be that common thread. Uh, myself, um, I have an hour lunch at my nine to five job at work. And I'm the only person in the office who basically we've got like a little shower room that's just this little room no one really uses. I go in there, I do a few exercises and stuff, and then I go for a run. Um, so, and I just find it, especially after you've been working for like four or so hours, and then you can just kind of take a break, listen to a podcast or music, or whatever. And right near my work, there's like a nice little foresty field area, which is really nice to just kind of go for a jog in. And it's just like it kind of resets your brain in a sense. You know, I've I've always on the weekends in the mornings, I quite like to get up, do some exercise and things, and I do find that it's uh, as you say it kind of it helps focus things it helps kind of uh organize my mind a little bit where i can think about certain things while i'm doing that if i need to but a lot of the time i can just kind of not necessarily think about anything i can just do my exercise kind of zone out of everyone it's almost like my own sort of meditation while it's also got so many benefits uh biologically speaking that it just kind of it, it's almost for me I get a bit confused when people don't do a lot of exercise and I don't want to be preachy to anyone or anything like that. But it is that kind of thing of if I don't do it now, I just if I go for like a week without exercising now, it just like I actively feel worse. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, 100 percent. I, I do it seven mornings a week. I get up, I exercise seven mornings a week just because if I don't, 
I'm grumpy. My brain doesn't work properly. I, I can't make good decisions. Nothing works properly. If I don't do some kind of physical activity, as soon as I get out of bed in the morning, I don't, I can't seem to function properly. So I, I can, I absolutely understand what you're saying. And I, I agree with you 100%. I think it's uh, like in the documentary in the, I will not go quietly. The, uh, the documentary I did one of the quotes that didn't actually make the film, but one of the psychologists that I spoke to, she said that uh, when she has somebody come into her office and they've got depression for whatever reason that might be, she said before she prescribes them any pills, she prescribes them a gym membership. And then mm. after a month of exercise, then we'll reassess and see if you need any meds or see, see what the – I mean, everybody's different, obviously. Situations are situations. So, I mean, this is very generally and broadly speaking. But she said that, uh, yeah, she prescribes a gym membership and then after a few weeks of solid exercise, then they reassess and see what the, what, uh, what the medication sort of situation might look like after getting into some kind of physical activity. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people um, suffering from mental illness, obviously, I'm not saying and you're not saying this either, as you uh, prefaced, um, is if you do have mental illness, you don't you know, do an hour of exercise and suddenly you're cured. But I think what it does is it helps regulate hormones. It helps balance out a lot of the chemicals in your brain and things. And I find that it's just one thing like to quote my dad, for example, is what he used to say with uh, the opposite, which was uh, with pollution, for example, he used to say with pollution, OK, regardless of whether or not you believe global warming is actually happening or anything like that, you can't argue that all these gases and stuff coming out of vehicles is good for the environment. So in that way, either it's neutral or it's bad. That's basically how you got to look. It's definitely not doing good. And I feel like with exercise, it's the opposite. It's, well, doing regular exercise, as long as you don't go too over the top with it, either it's not really going to do anything and all that's going to happen is you're going to feel a bit fitter or it is actually going to do better for you. So it's that kind of thing of why why don't more people do it? It's especially individuals I know who suffer with mental health. I do try to say to them, you know, try to do more exercise. I know when you're feeling uh, depressed and you're feeling low and things like that, you may not want to, but I think it is, it's one of the things that's invaluable and it, it won't make you feel worse by doing a lot of exercise. And I find myself, if I feel quite low, I mean, I, I personally don't suffer with, uh, mental illness but even when i have days where i do feel a bit crap or i feel a bit low i do this exercise and it kind of pretty much every time it gets me out of the funk and it, it never makes me feel worse you know yeah well, well uh, it's the old expression isn't it it won't do you any good if it doesn't do you any harm so it's not going to do you any harm so what why not uh, and, and i'm also a firm believer in that there's a physical activity out there for everybody so for me for example obviously i can't see so that restricts what i can do uh, but like, for example, running is not my jam. I, I just won't, uh, I won't even run for a bus if I'm running late for an appointment. <laughs> I just, I'm just not a runner. It's just not something I'm ever, ever going to do. Now, swimming, I love, you know, throw me in a pool and I'll bust out a few laps. I love lifting weights. I, I enjoy, I know it sounds odd because again, I can't see very well, but I love boxing training because mm. uh, I had a personal trainer who were uh, I did uh, it took him like a few months to sort of teach me how to how to do it but once you you get into it it's it's boxing's like a, a it's a rhythm thing it's like a dance almost so it's and also it's up to the other person to make sure their pads are in the right place otherwise they get punched in the face and that's their <laughs> problem so you know so uh, I, I love boxing training as well that's so much fun because I mean all the stress goes out of your body and onto the other guy's focus mitts so it's uh, it's a really cool training way as well. So, I, 
But I mean, some people love team sports. I mean, some guys or, or, or girls will, will play netball or soccer or, you know, cricket or whatever. They just love team sports. Other people are more individual and go hit a golf ball and uh, walk 18 holes of the golf course. I mean, so th- there's a physical activity for everybody. You just need to find out what it is that you enjoy and then uh, get into it. Yeah, I totally agree with you there, 100%. I mean, I absolutely adore swimming as well. My, my mum used to always call me a water baby just because since I was like one or two, you could not get me out of a, sw- a swimming pool or the bath or anything like that. And I've I've always been quite a, a strong swimmer and I used to do a bit of diving and things as well. And it's I, there's there's a few physical activities that I don't enjoy to a degree. I mean, I used to play, you know, uh, football, as you said, soccer. Um, I used to play that a little bit in school, but a lot of the other kids would take it so seriously, I just didn't have fun with it. Um, now that I've gotten older, if I play a little bit with my friends, I still have fun. But I'm quite into uh, racket sports like badminton or tennis. I quite enjoy those. I love swimming. I didn't really like running that much until um, I got into well, podcasting and music a lot more and where there's a nice place to run. I mean, if I just run around where I live there's just houses everywhere it's not as interesting but around like a field and stuff i really enjoy that but it's like what you say with team sports there's certain sports where i'm just not really fussed by and i could take it or leave it um whereas there's other ones which are just i mean dodgeball for example is a really random one but i absolutely love playing dodgeball so my favorite things are dodgeball badminton and swimming which is just that none of them really coincide with each other but it is, as you say, just all about your own uh, individuality and what you want. And it comes across with, with every facet. You know, people just have to be open and willing to try uh, an on mass of different things, whether it's different comedy you like, different films you like, different music, different uh, diet, exercise. And it's especially with an individual like yourself, I imagine that you've you've tried a lot of different things. I mean, a lot of people, or I, I hope they haven't, but I would assume that some people have judged you and thought, oh, he's not going to try all these different things, you know, because of this uh, disability holding him back. And I would imagine that you're, from what I can tell with you, you're the kind of individual that's like, screw that, I'm just going to do whatever I want and try everything anyway. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't, don't, uh, don't misunderstand. Discrimination is rife. I mean, don't let mm. people tell you any any differently i mean i've struck a lot of times where i've wanted to do something or join a group or whatever it might have been and i've been rejected purely because of my eyesight i mean discrimination is 100 percent alive and well so don't uh, don't don't ever be fooled about what you might hear on the news but you are correct i mean when i when i was at school i had a wonderful uh, school teacher who sort of instilled into because obviously i had i went to a school that had a, a unit for vision impaired and blind kids and mm. she instilled into all of us kids that it doesn't matter that you can't see real well you can still do whatever it is you want to do you might not be as good as the other kids it might take you a bit longer than the other kids you, you might not you know it might not be as easy for you to do it as the other kids but there is absolutely no reason why you can't do whatever it is you want to do And I think uh, she was a wonderful influence on me and all the other kids that went through that school. And so you're right. That's where my sort of attitude was sort of uh, instilled in me was with with her and the lessons that she taught me as a young lad growing up. Mm. And also with um, with that thing, I mean, a lot of people uh, would mistakenly, uh, my ad may look at you and say that you can't do this and you can't do that. Um, And although obviously there is a, a degree of impairment on your side, I think what 
people look at you and then they all they would see uh, in the negative sense that all they would see is uh, the lack of sight. Whereas what a lot of people don't do and don't figure out with other people is, for example, some people just don't have very good memories, for example, or some people don't have great hearing. Some people aren't very good at drawing. And I'm as a, as yourself. I mean, I'm atrocious at drawing. I'm used to stick man is, is all I can do, really, if that. So it's like everyone has their own unique skills everyone has things that they can do special you know some people aren't as i said aren't good at drawing some people aren't that great with technology some people are tone deaf and can't play uh, instruments and things but just because you know there's one aspect of your life that you're not great at which is everyone i haven't met anyone who is amazing at everything you know there's always some sort of part they're not great at you're one for people who are outside looking isn't at you for them it's just a more of an obvious thing whereas what they need to do is look at everyone and go everyone's got something or some things they aren't good at yours is just more uh, obvious to people from the get-go but that doesn't make you any less capable of anyone else it just slightly alters the way you may do certain things and maybe yeah maybe certain things may take you a little bit longer but that also gives you a unique perspective on a lot of things and i imagine with your comedy as well and uh, with a lot of your uh, creative output yeah, you just have a different perspective on all these sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. So it, it goes into like we were saying earlier. So I, I have a very different way of making my films. So, I mean, uh, some, some of the actors, for example, don't like working with me because I'm I'm very different to other directors. And so, and that's cool. I mean, that they that's fine. I mean, it's no big deal. It's just that they don't like the way I work and that's totally cool. Others do others. I mean, that's, that's fine. But my point is, is that because of my eyesight, it means that I have to do things in a certain way. So, I mean, that's just the way it goes, but it works for me. And I mean, you've seen the final product of some of the films that I've made. And so hopefully, mm. uh, you know, it, they're as entertaining as anything else. They're made in a different way, and I've gone about it differently. But the the end product still is an entertaining piece of cinema that people can watch and laugh and enjoy. So, I mean, there's always look, there's always a way to do something that you want to do. I mean, if if you if you want to, I don't know. You, you hear people on the news, you know, they're, they're riding a bike from Edinburgh to London to raise, you know, a million pound for a particular charity. I mean, if that's what they want to do, they'll find a way to do it. You know what I mean? And the same goes for me with my films and, and my with Beer Nuts Productions and what I do. If there's a particular script that I want to make, I'll, I'll figure out the best way to go about making it. I'll get the cast that I think are going to be the best to do it, the crew that are going to be able to understand the jokes and make the jokes work the best and we'll make the best film that we can possibly make. So, I mean, that's just, uh, that's just how it goes really. Yeah, exactly. And you, you want to make like people are far too quick to, to judge and not, they don't give people enough credit for a lot of things as well, which, which is uh, very frustrating and people very quick yeah to just turn it down and, uh, you know there's people i've had with with my podcast and i've just been like oh do you want to come on do you fancy doing it or anything like that and then they just get really weird about it and like, why would i want to do that and it's like i don't not i'm not saying you have to i'm just offering I'm, i just do this thing if you want to be involved in this thing you can come along and do it but if you don't want to be yeah. involved in this thing it's, it's, it's not a problem and a lot of people are very negative and i imagine you've had a lot of people who are just so unnecessary negative in their lives it's just like well, a lot of people are just toxic and you don't need to be involved with those individuals well well absolutely it's like i said the first four years of beer nuts productions i was pitching scripts and and all kinds of things to production companies i mean there was a particular project where 
I flew to New York because I had uh, I had some guys over in New York interested in it, and I flew over there, and we got a, a reasonably well-known cast uh, signed up and all that sort of stuff. And uh, but it all fell through mainly because of my eyesight. They they realised, oh, he can't see, uh, so you know he's not going to. Why would we give him this money to direct a film if he can't see? And that was, you know, you know. And I'm like, well, how how do you know? You know, you you you're just uh, you're judging something that you've got no knowledge or education on. So that that's where I mean that happened to me a lot. I mean, look, I like I said, discrimination is still alive and well. It happens to me every day of my life. I mean, I'll go into a store, for example, to buy a pair of pants. So I need some help because I can't see sizes and stuff like that on the tag. So I need to say to the salesman, you know, I need to buy a pair of pants. Can you help me? And sometimes I get the reaction of, oh, like it's the most inconvenient thing for them to do their job of helping me out. I'm not asking them to pay for them just to help me pick out a pair of pants, for goodness sakes. You know what Mm. I mean? So, I mean, you're quite right. I mean, there's so much negativity in the world. It's uh, it's not uh, it's not cool, man. I don't I don't like it. It uh, it brings me down. That's one of the reasons, again, why I love my exercise in the morning because it gets all that negativity out of my out of my body. You know, I get on the uh, the weights and throw some weights around, and that uh, that that gets all the yuckiness out of my body, and then uh, I can be positive and uh, and full of life for the rest of the day. Yeah, exactly. And it's quite a, a nice thing as well as someone uh, in your position where you probably get uh, quite a large amount of this sort of discrimination and a lot um, less of the understanding from a lot of people. And what you want to do and one of the things your favorite things to do is to release content that makes people happy. And especially at the moment with comedy, it's it's like that's the ultimate thing of making people happy, making people laugh. And it's quite a uh, quite a beautiful thing in, in, in some way, isn't it? Where um, it's unfortunate that you've had this, uh, you're still continuing to have this uh, level of discrimination against you. And through that you're just like you know what fuck all you guys are still going to make this content i'm still going to make things that make people happy make people laugh uh, and it's a real it's another key thing that makes you uh more inspirational as well and i'm sure people who are uh, listening to this show uh once it's aired and things what they'll hear that from you and they'll hear how passionate you are about this and how you're one of the forefront of the the sort of one of the creators that's gonna you want to release content to make people happy and make things good and you firsthand have experienced a lot of the negativity in the world and you're like you know what no screw it. i'm still gonna power through it and it's, it's very commendable well i think it's important i mean you know like like you say i mean i hate watching the 6 p.m news every night because it's so negative and so mm. depressing to watch I'm the same so Instead of uh, instead of watching the six pm news and wanting to you know knife yourself afterwards, <laughs> why not why not watch a Beer Nuts Productions film and have a laugh instead and and uh, and laugh and that's another reason why I like to choose those subjects that people are really touchy about is, is so that I can show them that maybe instead of being all you know up in arms and uh, getting all uptight about a particular subject like prostitution or pornography or whatever it might be. Why not instead take a step back and have a bit of a laugh and, and and come at it with more of a happier, more relaxed sort of demeanor, and then you might actually, you know, actually get somewhere in your thought process and argument with somebody, you know, unless, you know, if you if you approach something with such a negative and angry kind of mindset, you, you're not going to get very far. So, you know, when you get a, that's why, I, like I say, that's why I love choosing those subjects that people are are really sensitive about because I like to show people that maybe 
maybe instead of being so uptight, maybe you could just relax a little bit and have a bit of a laugh about these things because there's humour in everything if you just choose to look for it. Yeah, and if if as one of the almost like a that'd be almost like a brilliant motivational poster. Like if if this legally blind individual who's experienced all this discrimination can tell you you can have a laugh about life, let's not be too serious about things. Who better to tell that? Like if if you can say that, then anyone else who's ultra stressed in their life and that sort of thing should be able to have that perspective. And um, we're, we're coming down to um, it's getting near the the sort of two hour mark, and it's been a great chat with you uh, thus far. I'll start to wrap up now, um, but I will just want to ask um, if regards to movies can i just ask um, i know it's just like a sprig on your question but do you have sort of uh, some favorite movies of yours or favorite directors or anything like that i'm just interested to talk to you about movies for a few minutes because uh, i'd love to hear about them yeah ab- absolutely well obviously i lean more towards the comedy but I-, I like the darker kind of films the the black comedies and the the darker kind of films so uh i'm just trying to think um uh what, what have i seen recently that uh, that i've really in- enjoyed i'm just trying to Actually, it's been a poor couple of months for films, actually, in the mm. cinema. There hasn't been too much. Yeah. Usually uh, the Christmas period is there's some really, really cracking films that come out. But this year's been a little bit uh, a little bit poor. But uh, go, going into sort of more favourite films, I, I suppose um, – uh, let me let me th- well there's a few british films that i really really love um and they're mainly independent kind of films so there was one that was released a few years ago called still life um which was a, an incredible english film made by the same guys that did the full monty and it's a really mm. dark comedy and it's quite moving and quite and actually uh, the ending of it is actually really lovely and really moving it's uh, I, i'd recommend anybody to go watch that film called still life it's uh, it's really, really wonderful. Another English film, it's not a comedy by any means, but I really, really loved it, was This Is England. I don't mm, know if you... Yeah, I love that film. I, I wasn't big on the... They, I watched a couple of the episodes of the TV series they did afterwards, which I mm. didn't like so much, but the actual film itself is a five-star, just the, one of the most incredible English films. It's just, it's just an amazing film in every way. I just love that movie, but... Uh, that would be another English film that I really, really enjoy as well. I love that sort of um, uh, that sort of genre. I think it's called a uh, British social realism, uh, where it's like you know a lot of people, especially in America, have got this perception of England, where you know we're all uh, tea drinking, or not quite. We'll talk like this, my little finger in the air, and drinking tea crumpets. It's like no, it's not like most of England is not like that at all. And films like This Is England really highlight those. Uh, we call it over here it's like council house places like there's nothing wrong with any individuals living in a council estate or anything like that but when you have the uh livings that are provided by the government and things like that more and uh there's less uh, uh less money in those areas so it's a different uh, socio-economic class you do often get more crime in those sorts of areas uh, understandably if people have less things then they need to sort of get those things and potentially in ways that are not uh, lawful and in way in this is england i think it, it shows the realism of England in a lot of ways of a lot of at least parts of England, you know, not all of England is like that, but there's a lot of it is. The acting in that film is so good. You could dead set, play it to somebody in America and say it's a documentary and they believe you because the acting is just phenomenal. Those lads and, and the girls as well, they're just absolutely next level. There is not one bad performance and the script is spot like there, there, there's i can't fault that film it is a five-star film but uh in regards to filmmakers i love the cohen brothers i love mm. quentin tarantino which we talked about earlier i think he's fantastic 
I, I'm when I was younger, and I still am. I'm a massive uh, Muppets nerd. So mm. when the Happy Time Murders came out early last year, I was like the first person in line to watch the Happy Time Murders, and I absolutely love that film. That I think it's just, oh, it's. I mean, it's never going to win any kind of Oscars or anything of that nature. But I don't know if you saw the Happy Time Murders. The I saw family. the trailer, but I haven't seen it. I really wanted to go see it. And me and uh, my girlfriend actually planned to go see it at one point. And then uh, something kind of got in the way. And then we end up not. And then the film was out and the ci- wasn't in the cinema anymore. But it's it's on my list of uh, films to definitely get. I've heard it's pretty good. It's it's next. Yeah, it's because I'm like a massive Muppets nerd. So I'm biased. But I think it's just incredible because... And you know the one thing that I really loved about it, and it goes back to one of the points that we talked about earlier in regards to how I said it's important with my films that I make fun of everybody equally. Mm. So with that particular film, you're going to do an 18 plus, a blue movie with the Muppets, it's important that you don't miss out on anything. So it's important that you've got drugs, sex, swearing, uh, porn, like every, you can't miss out on anything. Every kind of inappropriate genre type thing needs to be. Every box needs to be ticked, and they did. They didn't miss a trick. It was that. That's what I loved about it. They, you weren't leaving the cinema going, yeah, it was really funny, but it was just missing that one, like that that one sex scene that would have been great, or it was just missing. A, a couple of really funny drug references, you know, or something like that, you know, it, it absolutely just nailed it. Like, so if the brief was, which the brief was to do an adults only puppet film, they absolutely, they didn't just hit it out of the ballpark. They hit it out of the fucking state. It was just, <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I loved it. Cause like I say, it's, it's not, uh, you know, it's never going to, you know, win any Oscars or be something like that. But just as a hilarious piece of nonsense to just sit in the cinema and just laugh your ass off at. It's just next level. It's just really, really cool. And it's funny you say about the, the Muppets love as well, because um, obviously when I was younger, uh, I used to love the Muppets, always watching them. I think Muppets Christmas Carol is still one of my favorite, if not my favorite Christmas movie. And I've, I've, I hadn't watched, um, there's two newer ones that came out. Uh, just one was just called the Muppets and the other was Muppets yes. most wanted. And, um, yeah, I, I've, I've watched both of them, and in my opinion, again, so uh, The Muppets Most Wanted was the one with Ricky Gervais, which I didn't like so much. They should never have made a sequel. But the first one with uh, Jason Segal and Amy Adams, that is absolutely incredible. Again, yes. I, I loved everything about it. And you know why? And I think that because it paid homage to The Muppets, and again, they did not miss a trick. Every character was revisited every aspect of the muppets was treated and it was treated with such respect and such love and you could tell that that jason seagal i think i'm mispronouncing his name but you know who i'm talking yeah, about yeah I, I i think that he is such a massive muppets nerd and a massive muppets fan that because he wrote it and he he uh, i would suggest that even though he's not the director i think he would have had a reasonably sizable hand in directing the film as well it's yeah. just a guess but he he made some he, of the most of the music as well he, he, he wrote did, he, music. and also yeah. with the one of the guys from flight of the concords with, yeah uh, yeah brett mckenzie director yeah so uh, uh those two got together and wrote some really fantastic songs and it just it it uh, it, it was uplifting it, it made you feel good i mean there was 
it was just the the Muppets just was. It, oh, I, I just can't tell you how much I love that. It was actually a very quick, funny story. I've got a friend of mine, and she's got a couple of kids. And when that film came out, I said to her, "Do you reckon that we could? I could go watch the Muppets with you and the kids?" I said because I don't really want to go and watch that film by myself in the cinema because people will think I'm some kind of a a weirdo, you know, <laughs> trying to you know go into some kind of kids film by this is. 30-year-old dude heading to the cinema to watch The Muppets. It looks kind of dodgy, you know? So she's like, yeah, no worries. So I went to watch it with them, and then as soon as it came out on DVD, I, I grabbed the DVD, and I've seen it a million times. I think that – I know this might sound uh, a, a little bit uh, silly, but I think that uh, Jim Henson, who obviously has been passed away for quite some time, I think that uh, if there's some kind of an afterlife, I think he'd be looking down – and he would have had a bit of a tear in his eye when he was watching that film because I think that it, it showed such respect to the Muppets that I think that he would have been really chuffed that somebody loved what he did so much that they made a film with such respect and such care, you know. And it was it was funny. It was just oh, it was just a great film. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, I I hadn't watched it like when it came out and stuff, and I heard about a Muppets reboot. I was like, mm, I'm not actually that fussed about it. And then um, there's like a special offer on a website um, that I buy uh, DVDs and Blu-rays from, and um, uh, a special offer the the Muppets uh, Blu-ray was like really cheap. So I just got it, and I, it was on my shelf for ages. And I hadn't, I didn't watch it for quite a while. And I think I watched it last year it was probably about eight months ago now i think it was um and i just had a night to myself and i was like you know what i'm just gonna i'm gonna watch the muppets movie i really kind of fancy something like that and i and i watched the film and i was so surprised how brilliant it was it was so funny and all of it was just as exactly as you say you know it was respectful and it was brilliant in every way and i was just like i was so surprised how good it was because i was just like you know a muppets reboot i was like it can't be that great can it and it it was i, I love that movie and yeah, I, I can't say enough uh, good things about it. I totally agree with you there. Um, well, I think that's, um, you, you know, unless there's any other thing else, uh, we'll, I was going to say, if you just want to uh, plug beer nuts and things like that, we're probably coming to the end of our, uh, our sort of conversation now. If there's anything else you'd like to add or um, obviously just mention about all your social media links and things, and we'll uh, wrap this up. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. Again, thank you, Mike, for having me on the podcast. It's I, been an absolute pleasure. appreciate it. Uh, and, yeah, just to everybody that uh, – is still listening to my uh, my dribble and nonsense. If they uh, <laughs> head on over to uh, beernutsproductions.com and uh, download some of our films and enjoy what we have to offer, and yeah, jump on all the social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and just type in Beer Nuts Productions. Basically, just type in Beer Nuts Productions. We come up and uh, enjoy what we do. And that, that giving, uh, I, I know it might sound corny, but I enjoy giving people enjoyment. I, I love people laughing at what I, I, I produce. So I, I encourage people to uh, to watch the films and listen to the audio stuff and, and get uh, get a real laugh and kick out of it because uh, it makes me happy to, uh, to entertain folks. So, uh, yeah, please uh, jump online and beernutsproductions.com and uh, download and enjoy our work absolutely so and yeah i completely agree with that check out Benas productions all the stuff on there is is absolutely fantastic and um i'll be sure to include all the links in that down below so um i think i'll be it then i'll uh i'll wrap it up now so thank you very much uh goff it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on no, th thank you mike i really do appreciate your time and and uh, i love the podcast and that's the end of part two thanks as always for tuning in guys um you know 
as you've listened to this whole podcast and you're this far, go check out Goff's Beer Nuts Productions website. You know, I've included a link in the description. He's got trailers on there. I think there's trailers on YouTube. Um, there's He sent me the prostitution, the unsold, untold story before our chat, and I gave that a watch, and it is really funny. You know, as he said, I think in part one, um, that his humour is sort of a mix between American and English. So it is, it is a really good sort of mix and balance that the short film that I saw was actually really good um, and so you know go check check anything of his out you know there's no harm in just looking and seeing if it's anything you like um, and I'm sure it'll make Goff very happy and he's a very talented individual who definitely deserves it so you know go show him all the love Anyway, coming up, um, I believe next week's episode is going to be another gaming one. Um, I did a gaming one with uh, Reese and Josh a few months back, and we decided to do it again. So um, that, well, I say we've decided to do it again. We haven't actually recorded it yet, so things may change. Um, but I'm planning on releasing just one episode uh, this coming, well, the following week um, on Sunday as usual. Um, that all should... I mean, I'm hoping for that just to be like a one hour one, just sort of a normal size one without too many parts to it. Um, the week after that um, is actually, it's going to be the 50th episode, I believe. So, you know, I do do part ones and part twos and that sort of jazz, but, you know, as sort of episodic episodes, um, episodic episodes, oh man, these, these outros are very rarely edited. So they're just sort of a gobbledygook of me rambling on. So uh, the, the intros are normally kind of a little bit more together, more so if any new listeners come in, they don't think I'm just some sort of moron. Um, but obviously everyone listening this far already knows that. So you've already, you've already gone through the whole show. So I don't need to put up the farce anymore. Um, anyway, yeah, the, uh, the 50th episode, um, I'm doing, well, I've done a collaboration. I've recorded it. Um, with a podcast it's the crazy train podcast part of emotionally 14 um it's a great chat we've done something quite cool with it or we're going to have done um they're going to release part one on the crazy train podcast part two is going to be on this channel on this feed um so you know if it's going to be a bit sort of a big it is a big rambly thing of, of a big mix of this that and the other so you don't necessarily need to listen to part one before hearing part two but you know if you're a fan of the show go check out crazy train from emotionally 14 because their style is quite similar to this except you know when i have guests i generally theme it along things but the episodes where i've got with bradley which is quite a little well, quite a while ago now and a lot of the ones i have with just sort of mates um them with johnny and bradley and uh, the tj one tj ramble i think that was released around december time so uh, you know, it's only a few episodes back. Those sort of ones where there's not like a specific subject or guest that has a thing to talk about, where it kind of just goes from one subject to another, flitting between them all. That's what kind of show this is. Um, so go check those guys out, show them some love. If you like them a lot, you can subscribe, and then you'll see part one come out on their show before part two comes out on this one. So you won't even need to have the pre-talk that I'm going to have on part <laughs> on the part two of the fiftieth episode. So yeah, um, the week after that, um, I've got planned. Um, a episode with an ain with an american comedian um i'm not going to say their name just in case they pull out or anything like that happens but that should be quite fun um i've still got the two parties recorded i've got one two-parter with a gentleman from the church of satan um which sounds very bad it's not they're like a secular religion so they don't actually believe in the devil or satan or anything like that uh, we go into it in a lot more depth in the podcast but i implore anyone to look up the church of satan if you have any sort of uh, you know preconceptions about it um and also there's a two-part chat with beth crane of we fix space junk um i did part well, part one i did um one with headley who is the uh sound engineer with well, basically two parts of one team you know it's headley knights and beth crane um they make basically we fix space junk so you know if you enjoy we fix space junk the audio drama you'll like that upcoming one um you should if you haven't heard of them go check it out i wasn't really into audio dramas and 
We Fix Space Junk was the first one that really got me hooked. So, you know, that's going to be an upcoming one. I've got a few other podcasts with people that are collaborations that um, there's a few other guests that I've got lined up. Uh, I think there's a couple of more authors or CEOs, these sort of things that are quite interesting people. Um, yeah, so I've got quite a nice batch of things. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff I can't talk about at the moment because... I say I don't want to jinx it, but I don't really believe in that sort of tomfoolery, but you know what I mean. Oh God, this outro is becoming very long and I'm very sorry for anyone who's still listening to this. Um, that's more or less it really for the, well, I say it, that's it's pretty busy. I'm, I think I'm booked up until like a month or two down the line now already. So lots of exciting stuff coming out for you guys. Um, making noise with my mouth because I'm trying to think if there's anything I need to add in. I don't think there is actually. So you know, just review us on iTunes if you feel like we deserve it. Share us on social media. Like us in the usual places, you know, follow Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that sort of tomfoolery that you come to expect from a podcast. Unless it's the first time you've ever listened to a podcast ever, in which case, welcome. And I'm sorry about the outro. Um, as always, guys, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you listening to any number of these shows, you know, not just for me, but for the guests, especially ones like Goff, who is just a complete inspiration. You know, he <laughs> blows anything I do out of the water, you know, being legally blind and making films is just absolute madness, but in a very good way. It's the positive kind of madness we need in this world. Uh, anyway, guys, I'm going to wrap it up here. So thanks as always for tuning in, guys, and I'll talk to you all next week.